Thanks for coming to GPC this morning. Glad to have you. If you're listening online later, thank you for doing that uh, as well. Uh, you find us in part seven of a nine-part series called Good to Know. And if any of you felt a little bump in the universe this week, anyone feel that somewhere at the beginning of the week? Did you feel a little something was off on Monday? Because what happened, yeah, yeah, what happened is I actually, here's what happened. I posted to Facebook this week, and I, I think... That's what created a little bump in the universe. Um, And what I posted to Facebook was this. I said this at the beginning of the week. I said, I'm working on a talk I'll be giving Sunday at Grace Point Church and trying to wrap my mind around why anxiety can get the best of us so often and wondering, what is it that makes you most anxious? Asking for a friend. At which point, I was amazed that people actually responded over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then people actually messaged me privately because they didn't want to, because they were too anxious to post publicly on Facebook. And here's what I learned, very important. So I'm going to summarize everything that I learned right here. So this is worth just coming this morning to know. What is it that makes people anxious? Are you ready? That's right. Everything. Everything. Here's here's what people said. Um, Not having control, family, health, jobs, kids, death, public places, new settings, fear of not being accepted, social media, our capabilities and limitations, making the right impression, how we're parenting, conflict, and the best one, answering this post on Facebook (laughs) makes them anxious. Everything, just about everything makes you anxious. And it's right. So here's what we know about anxiety, that anxiety is is a problem not because of the content of it, but because of the constancy of it. Isn't that right? Like anxiety... If you were to actually have the thing that you are most anxious about resolved, here's what you know if you're a good anxiety person or good worrier, there is something waiting in the wings to be anxious about next, right? It's the way it is. Hey, if my kids get through this season, then something else will come. Mm -hmm. And then something else will come. And then something else. Anxiety isn't a problem because of the content. It almost doesn't matter what you're anxious about. The issue is it just seems to keep coming, keep rolling. Like the sun rises every morning, my anxiety comes back over and over and over and over again which is the reality of life. Now, the questions that I have around anxiety are a couple. Number one is this. Where does anxiety come from? Like, if, if you're anxious and I'm anxious, we have to ask, where does it come from? And here's what we've learned. I learned this just from your interactions and a little bit of actual real research. But, but anxiety is illogical, isn't it? Can you, can you uh, think of a time when you told someone or someone told you, think about yourself, when someone told you, stop worrying about that, or put it, put it this way, oh, don't worry It'll be okay. To which if you're a mom and you're worrying about your children, if someone tells you don't worry, have you ever said, thank you, now I won't? Like that never helps. It never helps because you can't just tell somebody, stop worrying. Even if it's illogical, you can't tell someone to stop being illogical because you can't out-logic the illogical, right? You know what I'm saying? Like an illo- a logical answer doesn't work for an illogical anxiety. It just doesn't work. So you can't just logic out illogic thought. It just doesn't work. Anxiety, we, we know research tells us, it comes from all kinds of places. It comes from my family background, how I've been raised, how you've been raised, how you've been shaped. It comes from my personality, your personality. It comes from genetics. It comes from current environmental factors. It comes from a lot of places. The bigger question about anxiety is this. What actually is anxiety? Like you, you feel it, right? You felt it. You've experience it, but what actually is it? It's important to distinguish anxiety, by the way, from fear. I don't know if you thought about this before, but anxiety and fear are actually different things. In our family, in our home, if you were in our home, what you would find is every now and then we get some spiders that kind of find their way into our house. And when they do, they create an immediate response from some people who remain unnamed in our family. 
Now, if you're going about your business, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, a spider is where you want to be. Now, what, what do you do? Well, some people actually scream out loud. Some people just fist crush that puppy right there without thought, and actually with a little bit of love and like, mm, and they listen for the crunch because they like all of that. Now, people are on either side of that. In our family, we have more screamers than crunchers, okay? So immediately, the spider, the real thing, creates not anxiety, but fear. Fear is a response to a real something. Anxiety is, you know what, yesterday when I woke up to have my cereal or whatever it is, and there was a spider crawling along the counter at my bowl. When I wake up the next morning, I am now anxious that it might happen again. There is no spider here. In fact, it's been five years since I've seen a spider. But it happened that one time, and it could happen again. And anxiety is living in that space, not of something tangible that I can point to that I'm afraid of, but the anxious, nervous feeling of, it might, it could, who knows, it happened before. Anxiety, put this way, is a normal response to a scary, dangerous, or unknown situation. Anxiety is actually not altogether terrible. Justin Healy said that. And here's what Healy went on to write. See if you can relate to this. He said the... um, The automatic nervous system prepares the body to cope with danger by releasing adrenaline, which in turn increases blood pressure and puts the body and senses into a state of intense awareness, increased sensitivity, and hyper-alertness. When the body triggers off this response, the person essentially feels nervous. You would have felt this had you had an exam coming up or had to give a talk or found yourself having to cross, get this one, a very busy road. The nervous system puts your body in an alert state so that you can be at your best to deal with what it interprets as a dangerous or life-threatening situation. And so if you, are, if you have a young driver in your house, in your home, which we do now, like I want there to be a sense of anxiety when you're about to cross a four-lane interchange. Like I want there to be a sense of anxiety around that, not because I want you to be anxious, but because I want you in that heightened, alert, aware state, right? It's different than driving on the back road coming home. When there's more things around, you want that. The problem becomes when everything becomes like that. When the drive home becomes like that. When the walk out to the car becomes like that. And when we live in this heightened state of anxiety, this heightened state when our body physically and physiologically reacts to the anxiety that we feel, we create all kinds of problems. Physiologically, in our bodies, all kinds of things go wrong inside of us. Relationally, with people around us, and in our faith, all kinds of things start kind of blowing up because the system can't handle, our bodies can't handle what pressure we're allowing to build up inside of it. And this is a problem for us. So anxiety isn't created equal. There's all kinds of anxiety. What I'm talking about and what many of us experience is just general anxiety disorder. Just GAD is what they call it. But it's that disorder where you're actually more anxious than you should be. That the kind of the runny nose could turn into a, you know, a life-threatening um, you know, disease or whatever. Or, or you know, someone passed away in your family and now who knows? You know, someone else is going to probably do that. Or someone had a car accident and now everyone's going to have a car accident. Or you got kind of reprimanded at work and certainly you're going to be fired or you know, whatever. That things just kind of build and there's an increased anxiety more than should be. That's one thing. But there's also a whole other family of anxieties. There's panic attacks, which are a whole different animal themselves. 
There's OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which is a whole other animal itself. There's PTSD, a whole other animal itself. And all these are kind of related anxiety disorders. And also, did you know that women are actually more likely than men to experience anxiety? 18% of women experience significant anxiety, and 11% of men apparently do. Now, I don't know if men are just lying. It's possible, because as men, generally, the research also tells us that we don't often, as men, can't verbalize our feelings very much. And so it's possible that in getting this data, men just simply don't identify themselves as being anxious when, in fact, they are, because it's perceived to be, among men especially, a real issue of weakness when you identify that way. So there, there could be some mix, mix there. But also, by the way, young adults are, are um, more likely to experience anxiety and depression than anyone else, any other demographic in the population, believe it or not. And so anxiety isn't created equal. And the reason I tell you all this is not so that you can just become smarter about anxiety, but I think that is helpful, but also to say this. Anxiety is a very complex issue, and it lives in a very complex landscape. And so for the church, when the church speaks to, and when faith speaks to the issue of anxiety, we've often, just because the way things sometimes go in the church, we've often offered a very simplistic message and answer to anxiety. What we'll often say is, listen, do you have anxiety? you have anxiety? Here's what you need to do. Trust God more. Let's just kind of pray and take the offering and go home. And we've offered a very simplistic message to a very, very complex problem. The roots of anxiety are mixed. The reasons for anxiety are mixed. And even what anxiety itself is, is all across the board. And so when the church offers, or when faith offers a very simplistic answer to a complex situation, you begin distrusting faith. You begin distrusting that you can actually lean into faith when you face issues of anxiety. The reality is we know that God is not the only invisible thing in the universe, right? So what we'll often do when we think, I can't get my mind around something, therefore it must be God's involvement, or God must be involved in the invisible, sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. So what's causing my anxiety, might it be because you don't have enough faith? Maybe. But also, let me ask you, without help, can you see the chemicals that are interacting in your body? Can you see what's going on in your brain without help? Can you identify the emotions that you're feeling in the moment? Can you identify the ways that you have been shaped by your parents growing up when you were five, seven, ten years old? Because those things are all invisible too. Until we begin to put flesh on them with words, with language, with counseling, with conversations, with therapy. So we have a lot of invisible things in the world and they all contribute to a feeling of anxiety. And so to offer a simplistic message that, hey, are you anxious? Just trust God more. Just misses the mark and causes people to distrust and walk from the faith that often they need to hold on to. And so I don't want to offer that simple message. I want to offer a better one, I think, this morning. And this message about anxiety, in my opinion, is a, is a meeting of both faith and science. And by the way, I have no fear of the scientific world, and I have no reason to be concerned about the way that God has made this world. I think science is simply discovering the way that God has created the human body to work, created the universe to work, the systems in which we live to work. And so as we interact on this issue of anxiety, I'm going to interplay both the concepts of dealing with anxiety from a very current perspective and also from a faith perspective. And I see no distinction between the two and no fear of mixing one or the other because anxiety, fear, worry is a very, very complex thing. So the interesting thing to me, the amazing thing to me, is that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when Solomon was sitting down with his son, telling him about things that are good to know, he actually, in my opinion, dealt with some of the exact same things that you and I deal with today. 
especially relative to anxiety. And this chapter of the book of Proverbs that we have been in for most of the summer now deals directly with this space that we live in this morning. And I want to invite you to it because I think Solomon gets it. I think he understands it. And then I think he offers a response that I hope will be very helpful to you. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs. It's a, the second, well, it's a, it's a book right after Psalms. So in the middle of your Bible, you find Psalms, and right after that is the book of Proverbs. You can turn in your app to that, grab a Bible near you in the pew. That Bible in the pew is our gift to you, by the way. If you don't own a Bible, please take that with you. But Proverbs chapter 3 is where we have been, and we are going to land this morning in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23. Okay? Now, we're going to just this morning, so you know, we're going to take this baby verse by verse here. And to bring you into some context, Solomon is sitting down talking with his son, and verse 23 begins kind of in the middle of a thought. So let me just, before we read it, um, let me just tell you, here's what's happening. Solomon is assuming, and this is important to understand, Solomon is assuming that his son gets it now, that his son has found wisdom, that his son is to the point where he's kind of leading him in, he's saying, now that like, you have found wisdom, and he's already kind of promised him, wisdom will bring you so many good things. It will bring you uh, prosperity, bring you health, it'll bring you all this stuff, and it is worth pursuing, worth more than anything, more valuable than, more useful than anything else. And so coming off of that, he's kind of picturing that Solomon's son has found it, like he's found wisdom. And so after you have found it, after you have found it, after you have found wisdom, then he says in verse 23, then, after wisdom is found, then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. Now let's look at this verse for a minute. You will go on your way in safety. And here's what I think Solomon is is picturing. Just imagine all the things that happen to you while you go on your way for a minute. What is your way? You wake up in the morning, and your way holds what your way holds. You are on your way to work. You are on your way to the fridge to get breakfast for your kids. You're on your way to think about your kids when they go off to school. You're on your way to your career. You're on your way to your future. You're on your way to school. You're on your way to paying for your future. You're on your way to fixing things that are broken. You're on your way to trying to heal your marriage. You're on your way to what? And Solomon is saying, of all the things that you encounter during your day, of all the things that come to you as you're up and about and going along the path that you're on, all the things that you encounter, he's saying, and all this stuff that comes to you on the day, as you're awake, as you're going through your day, all those things on your way, then if you find wisdom, then you will go on your way in safety. In safety. And, he says, your foot will not stumble. Like, don't worry. You will not run into a lot of problems. Believe it or not, you will actually find safety, and your foot will not stumble. Now, if you're a really good worrier, Here's what you know. You worry not just about things that go on during the day, but different things happen at night. That ever happened to you? You worry about certain things during the day, but at night, that's when the good stuff happens, right? At night, that's when you can think about all the things that you didn't worry about during the day. Right? Like your kids are in bed, you're in bed, and now you can really think about the deep stuff, the stuff that really is driving after you. And look what Solomon says next in verse 24. When you lie down, you're now at the end of the day. You're done with going on your way. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. In other words, there exists a possibility that when it comes to the end of the day, instead of continuing to carry the burdens of anxiety, the burdens of fear, 
there exists a space where you can actually lay down and have your brain, have your mind not worry anymore, not fear anymore, not be anxious anymore about what could be. All those thoughts that are different, they're categorically different at night than they are during the day. The things that you worry about, your past, about your future, about your kids, about your marriage, the things that you just simply don't have time to worry about during the day. Solomon's like, listen, there exists a space where the things you worry about during the day and the things you worry about at night, we can solve that. Now, if you're a really, really good worrier, not only do you worry, not only are you anxious about what happens during the day and what happens at night, you also have a list of the things that you want to be sure you never forget to worry about. The crazy things, the once-in-a-lifetime things, the cataclysmic events that you've seen happen to other people and you hope will never happen to you. Those kind of things that you want to worry about so you assure that you don't worry about it anymore. And look what Solomon says next in verse 25. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. Have no fear of disaster that just seems sudden. Like, where did that come from? How did they lose their business? How did they lose their church? How did she walk away from that marriage? How did those kids go ballistic? Like the things that happen all of a sudden, that happen indeed. Solomon is saying, listen, I get it. You worry about stuff all day long. And then you go to bed and you worry about the stuff you didn't worry about. And then something happens, you worry about the things that could happen suddenly that you forgot to worry about before. And he's just saying, listen, I get it all. I can relate to you. And he's saying to his son, son, there exists a space where of all the things that happen to you along your way and all the things that can happen to you when you're finally kind of slowed down at night and the things that you do see happen that indeed seem like sudden disasters. There exists a space where we might be able to get on top of that. And here's what we know about anxiety. Put it this way. Anxiety comes when confidence goes. You ever think about that with anxiety? Anxiety comes when confidence goes. It simply does. That's the way it works. When you don't have confidence, your anxiety skyrockets. And when you do, your anxiety goes down. For example, if I were to, I'm going to make this up right now, but if I were to have a, a, a Cheerio in my hand, and I were to say to each one of you, listen, if you don't lift this Cheerio, I will throw this spider at your face. How awesome would that be? It'd be terrible. Okay. Now, how many would be anxious about their ability to lift the Cheerio so you don't have a spider? Now, maybe you'd be like, dude, bring it on. Bring on the spider on the face, all right? But imagine that that caused you some anxiety. Now, if I said, listen, I've got a 250-pound bag of sand over here. I need you to lift it. Or here comes a spider. Like, some of you can do that. Some of you would struggle with that. Many of you know that immediately this is an impossible task. So when you are not confident to accomplish the task, when you're not confident in your abilities, when you're not confident, anxiety will grow. And when you are confident, it goes away. It's simple as that. And here's what Solomon says next in verse 26. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. 
What is Solomon's solution to all the things you worry about during the day, the things that happen at night, and the things that may not happen today or tomorrow, but may happen sometime? Solomon puts it simply this way. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Now, isn't this what I talked about at the beginning? Isn't this just a super simple message again? You have anxiety? Trust God more. He'll be your confidence. You have a problem? Trust God more. He'll be your confidence. I don't think this is what Solomon is saying. Let me put it this way. This past week I was at a restaurant uh, eating lunch and over, uh, over my friend's shoulder was a turtle struggling in an aquarium. Strange, I know, but trust me, it was exciting. And it was very distracting. I'm a very distracted person. Anyone else struggle when you sit in a restaurant and you're, like for me, when Jen and I, my wife and I go out to eat, I try to position myself away from the TV so that I am not like, yeah, that's interesting, hon. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So here's this turtle behind my friend, and, and um, this turtle is struggling because in the aquarium is this log, this plastic fake log that is supposed to be suction cupped to the back of the aquarium. Because the turtle wants to climb up on it and get up on it, and the tur- it's just barely above like sea level, just on the surface of the water. And so the turtle climbs up, but one of the suction cups is missing. Like, so it is just hanging there. It's now a bobbing log in this aquarium. So the turtle gets up, and it's holding just enough to hold him. But he gets up and turns his head back into the water. About five minutes this is going on. I'm like, yeah, I'm focused on you, buddy. And I'm like looking over here at the turtle struggling in the background. And then, the, then it's dramatic. Like it, the turtle put his hand all the way up like this. And the body's just hanging there. And then finally crawls up and gets on the log again and, and does this thing and does this thing. And kind of, ah. And it falls right back in. Just happened over and over and over again. It's funny because it, it reminds me so much of the way that we want to handle the life that we live. We would love to have a log that's suction cup strongly to the back of the aquarium. I would love to find a place I could crawl up on and find the rest that I want. But for all of us, life often feels like our turtle friend in the aquarium. Like, I just barely get my head above water, but this thing that I'm on is just not enough to quite, and then whoosh, we're, we're in, but we're not going to give up. We're back on, and we're, gonna, we're hanging, we're, and then whoosh, we're right back in. And Solomon seems to indicate that there exists a place where the law can actually be sturdy. And he seems to identify that as a relationship with God the Father. Now, I don't think that the Bible, I don't think that God gives to us a simple answer to complex questions. Because God made us, he knows us. And so here's how I see this. When Solomon says, the Lord will be your confidence, I absolutely believe that is true. That the Lord can be your confidence. But I also believe this firmly, and and zone back in for a minute, if you've zoned out for whatever reason, zone in on this one for a minute. That, That God can be your confidence, but God has also given us great gifts to use to help us in this world. And some of those gifts are the advancements of medicine, Some of those gifts are the wisdom of counselors. Some of those gifts are the beauty of music. Some of those gifts is the routine cleansing of exercise. Some of those gifts are the great refreshment of sleep. 
that each one of these, and some of those gifts are journaling and writing your thoughts down, that each one of these is not separate from the work of God, but is a gift from the good hand of God the Father. And so I am not afraid to offer to anyone, you struggling with anxiety? Who are you talking to? What are you writing? How's your sleep, to be honest? Has anyone in the universe ever felt close to God when you're not sleeping well? The reason we don't is because we're complete people. How we feel physically, how we feel materially, impacts how we feel immaterial or how we feel spiritually. There's no one that I know who can go sleep for a long period of time and still feel close to God. Not because they're not, it's just they're physically tired. And so I'm going to encourage you, as I would encourage me, if you're coming to me struggling with anxiety, hey, here are the gifts that God has given us to use to cope with some of these things. Now, let me add this. When I go to a restaurant with Jen, and I'm never distracted much by the TV, right? But So when Jen and I go out to the restaurant, we have a great night together. You know what I'm not drawn to when I spend that time with Jen? We go to whatever, let's just say we go to Chili's for the evening. I don't go home and think, man, we need to, like, I, I love chilies. I think, man, I love Jen. The environment drives me deeper into a relationship with my wife, not the other way around. I don't all of a sudden trust chilies to the, the place where our relationship grows. I now trust Jen more, like I grow in her. And so here's what Solomon is saying. Here's what I, how I see this. As you... Sleep well, exercise routinely, write, journal, see a therapist, a counselor, perhaps take medication for. The anxiety that you experience, do all those things, do them. But your confidence will always be somewhere. And my confidence isn't in chilies, it isn't in what I do, it's in the person I'm with. My confidence isn't just in the medication, it isn't just in the journaling, it isn't just in the sleeping or the exercise. I don't fall in love with those things. Those are sub-levels. I fall in love with, I grow in my confidence with the Lord who has given them all to me. And we can be nuanced in our faith this way, can't we? We don't need to be so simplistic to say, Oh, if you are struggling with anxiety, just trust God more. Do you need to trust God more? Maybe. But do you also need a good night's sleep? Maybe. Do you also need to journal? Maybe. Do you also need to see a therapist? Maybe. Do you also need to take medication? Maybe. But do you need to have confidence in the Lord over it all? Yes. And this is what Solomon says. Trust Him. Grow in your confidence in Him. This pursuit of wisdom is really this pursuit of finding out more and more of his heart. Finding out more and more of how he works and the character that he brings to this world that I live in. So here's two questions that I'll ask. Number one, what would I, how would I act if I really believed that God was here? How would I act in this space if I really believed that God was here? Think about your children, think about your marriage, think about your job, your career, your future, your school. The things that make you the most anxious. If you believed that God was actually here with you, now what would you do, what would you do differently? How would you now act if God was actually right here with you? Being your confidence, being that log that actually is attached how would you act 
The second question is this. Why do I struggle to trust God here? Why is it that I, you, we, struggle to trust God here? Identifying that, putting words to it. Words, as you know, are the tools that we use to shape reality. So when I can put words to my struggles, then I can get a handle on it. I can get get on top of it. The reason that I struggle here is what? What in my background has taught me this? What in my personality do I need to be aware of? Why do I struggle to trust God here? So for me, let me put this, let me put this in my world for you just to flesh this out. For me, what I come down to a lot when I think about my own anxiety, most of my anxiety stems from, why do I struggle to trust God here? Because I'm afraid of man rather than trusting in God. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid they won't like me. I'm afraid they'll distrust me. I'm afraid that I won't be able to deliver what they're looking for. I'm afraid I'll miss their expectations. Why am I struggling to trust God here? It's not because he's not showing up. It's because I'm looking at man and the harm that they can do to me and the harm that I allow them to do to me sometimes. So this is just one of my issues. I could go on. But being able to put words behind, why do I struggle to trust God here? You know why? For me, often, because of fear of man. I'm afraid of what people say, what they'll do, whether I'll be enough to meet everyone's expectations or not. Why do you struggle to trust God where you struggle to trust Him? And what would you do differently if you knew God was here? We have a lot of invisible problems. (laughs) We have a lot of invisible problems. The message around anxiety Is trust God? Yep. Is it that simple? Yes and no. Trust God while using the great gifts that he has given to us. Don't be afraid of the things that he's put in front of you and put in front of me to use. Healthy choices. Exercise. Sleep. Good nutrition. Journaling. Therapists. Medicine. Not afraid of any of it. Above it all, above it all, and to it all, points to my relationship with God. Which is why, as I said last week, I need to schedule daily times to meet with God so that I can know his character. Because as I spend time with Janet Chili's, or at home, or wherever it is, I grow to trust her more, right? Isn't that how it works? And as I spend time with God, I grow to trust him more. And as my confidence in him grows, so too does my ability to sleep at night. So so too does my ability to get through my day. So too does my ability to put sudden disasters in their place. That God will be your confidence. That's what I want for you. I want for you to be able to put your head down on the pillow at night. I want for you to be able to go on your way. But taking all the things that we get anxious about, And knowing that God can be your confidence while you use the tools that he's given us to cope with the anxiety that comes. We'll continue to wrestle with this, but above it all and to it all points this relationship with God who can give you absolute confidence. Because with confidence, when confidence comes, anxiety goes. So this is what Solomon says to his son. You worry about stuff during the day, at night, and stuff that could randomly happen? I get it. The Lord can be your confidence. He can be. Grow, habit, schedule, plan that time to deepen a relationship with him, no matter what. Now, Solomon tells his son something very interesting. 
right after these verses, something that impacts how you and how I treat the people around us whom we love the most, who we work with the most, and that we are going to get to next week. Look forward to seeing you back for Good to Know, Part 8. Will you pray with me? Good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to be together in your word and to see a period here in time hundreds of years ago when someone like Solomon was able to sit with his son and engage on topics that really impact and shape humanity across the board, across the demographics, across nations, across racial divides and across all kinds of divides to engage this issue of anxiety, worry, the things that keep us up at night, the things that we worry about on our way. And I pray that indeed you would be our growing confidence that we can continue to habitually grow in our love for you by making time to be with you, to read your word, to engage in prayer with you, and to to engage in relationships with people who challenge us to keep coming back to know you more and more. And so I pray that as a church, as we give this message, that it's not just trust you more and forget everything else, but it's nuanced. Yes, our trust needs to grow, absolutely. But also our healthy habits might need to change. Our decisions on how the day is spent might need to change. Our routines might need to be changed so that our anxiety can be put under control. Give us courage, I would pray to talk to the people we need to talk to, to take a next step that we need to take, to know that we are in this journey together, that you are God who knows and loves us no matter what. So we thank you that you are a good, faithful father, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. You are here, you can be trusted. You are a faithful, faithful, faithful God who walks with his children. We love you, we thank you for the time that we can share this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.